Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and in preparation for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to come out on Disney+, Plus, Jackie, Matt, and I all watched Captain America, The Winter Soldier, in preparation, so we do go into major spoilers for all of that. We basically go over major spoilers for all of the MCU, you know, up through Endgame, etc., so be aware and be prepared. You should be caught up, or at least not upset by major, major plot points at this time. We also made this week a Russo Brothers double feature, because we watched the film Cherry, which just came out on Apple TV+. It stars Tom Holland and Joe and Anthony Russo are the directors of that film, as well as Captain America the Winter Soldier. So spoilers for that. We don't go so much into the plot details. A lot of the plot is actually sort of given away in the trailer, and it's based on a true story, or it's a semi-autobiographical story, but just a heads up there. And be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion, as there is a follow-up point. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? So in preparation for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we watched Captain America Winter Soldier, which, Matt, is your, is it fair to say favorite? Favorite. You said favorite oh, yeah. Marvel film. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I had not seen it since theaters. Yeah, I'm most interested in your thoughts, as I know I've watched it with, with uh, Mox over here a couple times, and, you know, so I know she's seen it since. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, because I know when we talked about it kind of recently, you, you weren't, weren't like, a fan. thrilled about it, but yeah. at least that was my takeaway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is still. <laughs> so there were parts of it that I appreciated more this time around, I think. I like Anthony Mackie's character in this more than I like him in the later films they have him in. I feel like while he's still, you know, sort of a sidekick e character, he was not trying as hard in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel I feel like they basically, like, made him very token in the future ones. And also because there's so much shared screen time in other, you know, Avengers movies that he's just, like, not a main character, really, right? And so they didn't give him as much. And so they just sort of kind of reduced him this to this one or two-dimensional, you know. And also he's one of the few black ones, let's be honest. Yeah. So I do, I feel like in this he was slightly less, you know, caricatured in that. But the action sequences, I was just so bored by. Like so bored. I also had to split this up into multiple viewings again because I just couldn't I couldn't get through it. I was like, this is a very long movie. <laughs> and it made me appreciate WandaVision more, which where I was like, oh, I miss the sort of character-centric drama there. Like I don't necessarily need the super action-based stuff. And I think the last episode of WandaVision had a little more of the action, which is why it felt a little bogged down for me. And so seeing the Winter Soldier movie, I was like, oh yeah, characters are good. This is something that is lacking, and this is something that the TV show did really well. Did anything change for either of you in this rewatch, or was it just like an excitement hype building moment? I was similar in the sense that the first time I watched it, I wasn't a fan, actually. I walked out of it kind of not loving it, but I also went into it figuring I wouldn't love it because I really, (laughs) I dislike the first Captain America movie, which I know is very unpopular opinion of me. But I don't like that movie. So I expected the sequel to be equally annoying because I'm not a huge cat fan in general. Like even in the comics, I find the sort of goody two shoes, Boy Scout type heroes mostly pretty boring. I'm totally with you on that one. Yeah, it's just, you know, and I'm sure there are runs that make him interesting and whatever, but I haven't read the stuff that I have read. I haven't been too intrigued by. And I so... I mean, to be fair, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his character. I will say, though, in this one, I really enjoy There's a little bit of sarcasm cap in here, which I like a lot. I really enjoy his friendship with Natasha. Mm -hmm. I like that building there. And I, I really do like his friendship with the Falcon also. 
I think that it's cute, the, the banter that they have. He basically, I mean, Steve flirts with basically everyone in this movie. <laughs> and I'm into it, right? Uh, he's an attractive man. Got some great shoulders. I think holding the helicopter is still very attractive to me for reasons I can't explain, except for I guess that arm is just, it just gets me. I'm like, yes. So I think, I think Civil War, though. Is that Civil War? I think so. I was trying no, to remember. I was like, not, did I zone Winter out Soldier. again during this movie? Yeah, no, it's not Which would not have surprised me. To be fair, when I rewatched this, I was pretty high. So, you know, which is But I also, I think it itself. speaks to how they blend together. I truly yeah. do. And so I, I, I love watching Natasha kick ass. Like, I, I think for me, at least, the action sequence on the ship is actually pretty great. I enjoy it the whole time. Pretty much my thoughts on it. Okay. Matt? Yeah, I mean, so... To, for starters, I think it's been well established that I'm a, I'm a Black Widow boy over here. So this was for me, I've loved her in the movie iterations for the most part. This was the first to kind of where I felt like these filmmakers really got her character on a really, on a level of this film views in the same kind of way that a Black Widow comic reads, if mm. that makes sense. And so for me, this movie, I find it so exciting. It's really, it's one of the random, I think I've talked about before, I'm not huge on action. I do, I do like, it's funny because I, I like a bulk of these superhero films and stuff like that. But, you know, we're talking about character studies and stuff and that kind of being what I'll gravitate toward, and I believe you too as well, more than just like action films. And the action sequences in this film completely get me every time. When I watch them, I'm like, there are actually action sequences that I look forward to. And it's very bizarre. Part of it, I love the cinematography in it. I don't know. The stakes are there. I, remember, I will never forget the first time seeing this and thinking that they actually killed Nick Fury. Because I, I believed mm. it. I totally mm-hmm. believed it. And I, and I love that oh, moment. Oh, I do love I like the AI car a lot, actually. <laughs> it's like the only, one of the, my favorite the car super chase car. Yes, I, I do I love, love the that. super car. Yeah. And when they're there and seeing his body and you see Natasha's uh, reaction to kind of seeing him dead and it always guts me because we don't know everything about her yet in the Marvel Universe and on the MCU side anyway, as far as her past goes. But they had given enough inklings at this point to kind of know that she is coloring outside the lines a little bit and kind of, you mm-hmm. know, walking that line between good and bad and that she tried to reform and that Nick was kind of the one who took a chance on her. And so I love the emotion about that. But, you know, so anyway, I was there, of course, crying in the theater and stuff, thinking like, oh, my God, they killed him. Going into this film, though, I will say, I had an interesting conversation with my sister about this the previous week, just talking about Marvel films in general and how big they've gotten and how crazy they are. That part of what was so refreshing about WandaVision was kind of getting back to a smaller character story because all of these characters being together is so overwhelming in a way where I do think that a lot of times story does suffer, right? And this was the first film after Avengers that I liked at all. Right, because Avengers was super fun. And if you looked at the first three big hero movies we got before Avengers being Thor, the two Iron Man films, and Captain America, if I were to put those in order of sequels that I'd be most excited for, it would be Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, just based on how I like the characters. Yeah. And it was quite the opposite. <laughs> it worked out really well I for hate, us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Thor, the Dark World. I hate that movie with a passion. And Iron Man 3, both of those are bottom three Marvel films for me. Bottom no, uh, and, and, and I feel the same way. We we were similar on the first couple Marvel films. And so, yeah, it was it's yeah. funny that it actually did, like, well, I don't know that I would say Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel film. And I'm having trouble coming up with what is right now. So, uh, wow, I need to come up with that. That's interesting. Uh, anyway, we'll work a favorite. Through this. <laughs> um, we will get through this together. <laughs> we will get through this together because now I, I'm 
spiraling because I don't know what my favorite film is because as someone who spends a lot of time talking about movies, it's very strange that I don't have that in my back pocket. Anyway. Well, yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I have thoughts on like the idea of that a favorite film is actually not like a real thing because I think so much of it is dependent on the time and the place you saw it and like mm-hmm. some of them hold up really well and some of them don't and later events can impact how much you like a film. I think it truly does impact like retroactively what a place well, a film holds. Well, I up. mean, speaking <laughs> of that, not to go off on a crazy tangent here, but Matt and I's experience watching the first Avengers film in theaters and I guess I won't speak for him, but it was one of my favorite experiences in a theater ever. I had such a good time. The crowd was so into it. Everyone was amazing. And then I had a couple of people in my life that were so obsessed with that movie that it actually ruined it for me retroactively. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. And then I could not, to this day, I don't reach for it. And, you know, the Joss Whedon stuff does play into that, of course, at this point. But even before the stuff came out about Joss, it was, I didn't like it as much after all the, you know, obsession. Yeah, it kind of yeah. got soured. And then and then the first two solo missions after that, I thought were honestly just, I, I just could not, I did not like either of them. And then this came out and... I was just, I, I was blown away. And I remember coming out of that theater. I was at Arclight Hollywood. And I remember coming out of that theater. And I said to my friend, I was like, these guys are going to save the Marvel Universe, the MCU, being the Russos. Because I just, mm-hmm. I thought that was so, because to me, this is a hard thing. I say this, but as a comic book kid, it's like, how can I speak to people who aren't comic book people? I have no idea. But it just felt like a movie that felt like it must be really accessible to general audiences in a way where it's not huge and super and all this different stuff. It like it's, it's like a spy thriller. It could be James Bond. It's one of those things where it's just, I don't know, I just found it so nicely made and put together. And then from the comic side, it was fun to see Falcon. I do agree with everything you said about the Falcon character and what he's become versus what he started out here. And so this is one of those films where I watch it and I kind of get transported back into the time when I saw it. And so... It was like Falcon. It was exciting. Getting a little Sharon Carter, who I'm really excited to get more of her in this new series. Hoping to get, I mean, obviously we're getting a lot more Falcon, but more backstory on him and stuff to kind of really care about him more. The introduction of Winter Soldier, knowing kind of inklings of knowing that we're getting towards Civil War and this is kind of laying the groundwork for that storyline, which is, it was all such an exciting time. And I was so hyped. And then that credit scene. With the twins, I, I mean, I, about, right. I screamed in a theater, I, I screamed out. And I do agree <laughs> that like after after Thor The Dark World and Iron Man 3, which I I, I hate, it, it is a it is much better film. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll completely agree. Yeah. You know, compared to those two, it is a much better film. It's just for me, I'm, I'm looking at the timeline. It was like Guardians is next and Guardians is so much more up my alley than, you know, a Winter Soldier. And Jackie, to go back to what you were saying earlier about the sort of vanilla cookie cutter, you know, like super hoorah heroes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like Captain America doesn't appeal to me in that except for the Civil War run in that I like that Steve Rogers is not... He doesn't fall on the ch- like side you think he would. You'd think that he would be all for like, yes, we need to register and yes, we need to do all these things and do everything the government says, yay. And then he actually doesn't do that. So I think in terms of the comics, I you know the movies do it fine as well. But I remember reading that comic run and being like, yeah, okay, this is more interesting to me than any of the other stuff that I think he, that yeah, he usually I'd, deals with. I'd agree with that. And I think the groundwork is really laid in this movie very well too with him, the government sort of turning on him, you know, and it's, Hydra and stuff but I think it helps him and I think Falcon does too helps him realize that he doesn't have to be a soldier he doesn't have to answer to a government situation and he can sort of maybe find his own way 
We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Building on what you said, Matt, I also agree in that, like, my first note about watching this, I was like, wow, we have just gone so sort of galactic in the later movies that everything's in space and, you know, the, these sort of also sometimes just impossible to deal with enemies or just, mm-hmm. you know, Th- Thanos, I have other issues. I have plenty of issues with Th- the idea of Thanos and the idea of, okay, you know, you're right. It is a spy subterfuge. It's a World War II story, you know, yeah. except for Hydra is just sort of the modern iteration of it, which I do think makes it accessible to more broad audiences and that like, yes, we get it. Anything World War II, the other side's the bad guys. Okie dokie, you know. But Got yeah, it. no, 100% agree. And I agree with, and, you know, it's like the movies have gotten so, like you said, galactic and stuff where I made a comment before, you know, talking to people about this, where I was like, it feels real and there's like real sets and real things. And it like, it feels like a real movie with some, of course, some special effects in there. But for the most part, it, it looks pretty great and it holds up because they are like real places and stuff. And I love that about it. And to the cap stuff, what I think is interesting is I totally agree with the assessment on, on him there. And I, I, the goody two shoes thing annoys me, but that transformation into what he becomes, it like really did happen in this film for me to start because I liked seeing the kind of goody, goody two shoes boy learn that his earth is not great. Like, you know, he knew it <laughs> and he knew, you know, Nazis and this and that, but then he thinks he beats that back and he thinks that this, and then, you know, of course things are still happening in Red Skull and stuff, but then it's like, he thinks it's all over. And then it's this mind blown that actually this group Hydra is so much more technically advanced than he could have ever imagined to realize, oh my gosh, like they're in here and they've infiltrated shield, which is supposed to be the good, you know, good doers and everything. And they've been doing that all this time. I liked him learn, seeing him learn that and kind of becoming a little more rough around the edges, if you will. And so and then learning that his friend, uh, his best friend, is who he has to actually stop is like this thing where it makes his character so much more interesting to me. And that does carry on for the rest of the film, I believe. I, he's still yeah, not my I, favorite, but I like it. I do like that gut punch. And I actually really enjoy Natasha's struggle, too. You know, when she's like, I thought I was finally, you know, fighting for the yeah. good guys. For the mm-hmm. good side, yeah. She's like, it turns out I don't know the difference. Ooh, that line. I love it. Yeah, she is also a character who I appreciated more this time around. I will absolutely say that. It's funny that you say it held up because I felt like a lot of it did not. Really? <laughs> I, I think everything with Falcon flying, I always find problematic. In every single film, I found it slightly problematic. I think it's, this, you know, Iron the Iron Man character sort of gets away with it because he's all metal. And so he's all CG all the time. And then the other thing I was like, man, they did Natasha and Bucky so dirty with those wigs. I don't know if it's because I was. I know they I were bad. They were so bad. I was like, I don't know if it's because I watched it on my phone and like it wasn't calibrated right. And I didn't watch all of it on my phone, but I had to watch part of it on my phone. And I was just like, oh, these are bad. These are very bad wigs. And okay, yeah, they're very bad wigs. Yeah, the Natasha. They a lot the of Natasha, money they could have spent some on her hair. The Natasha in particular, it really it 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 hurts me because the wig is bad, but it's still my favorite Natasha look in all the movies because it's so like her hair in the comics even though mm. it looks like her hair in the comics and it should have looked like her real hair in this yeah. as well. So I, mean, I don't I get give it a pass there, but I like the style. I mean, <laughs> Scarlet, I mean, I guess Scarlet didn't want to dye her hair, which, okay. Too bad. But like, yeah, you're making a ton of money, hopefully, right? Right. And It's not her first appearance. You can't, yeah, you can't be like, it's, you know, oh, no, you're figuring out her wig. This is not her first, like, show, no, the first time she's shown up. It's just a terrible one. It's so no, bad. I mean, Karen, is it Gillian or Jillian? I, I remember, uh, Gillian, I think. Gillian. I mean, she shaved her head for Nebula. You know, yeah. and then the, the later like, this get year, get on you know? board, Scarlet. Yeah. Come on, just because no, you've got. And up. we're blaming her. But we have no idea. This could have yeah, been a decision by the, the hair no, and I mean, makeup team that was tr- 
tragic, obviously, because they have plenty of money to get a wig. I mean, I know drag queens with much better wigs. Yeah, that that was a party city wig. That was the definition of a party city wig. I also was very confused because I I don't go back and watch Marvel movies a lot, I'm realizing. I've watched like Ragnarok a bunch of times. And I think I've seen like the original Guardians a couple times because I'd be like, oh, it's on a plane. All right, fine. I'll watch it. But I generally speaking, don't, I'm realizing, watch them too many times after they come. Like I'll see them like once or twice or, you know, sometimes three times in a theater. But then I don't watch them again. And so I was very confused because I was like, all right, what happens with Captain America and Sharon Carter? And like, what are we referencing? And are we just in a different timeline? And like, I can't I can't remember either. Maybe you two can enlighten me because he goes back to a version of her and grows old with her. Right. No, that's Peggy. So Peggy Carter. Sorry, is, Peggy Carter. Yeah, Peggy yeah. Carter. That's what I meant. Yeah. So Peggy Carter was alive during World War Two. I think it was. Two. Yes, that I, I remember. Alive, yeah. right? And then remember he visits her in this one when she's old. Yeah. So I remember he visits her and I know she has that like sort of memory lapse thing that I was like, OK, this could be attributed to. She dies in Civil War. Or, yeah. But then, you know, when Steve at the end of Endgame goes back in time. Yeah, that that I, I mean, to be clear, <laughs> I'm not a big end, yeah, I'm not a big Endgame fan at all, which is like okay. I was going to say when my comment about the Russos being, oh, they're going to save MCU. I, I think that they did really impeccable work up until Endgame. Okay. I think Civil War was pretty great, okay. but I think Infinity War is fantastic. And then Endgame, I think, was OK, but whatever. But anyway. I thought that story that was so messy and weird. But he went back. It was so messy and so not even Steve. Right, because I was like, like that's he the went, weird. That's the most annoying. Yeah, he goes back and then he like lives his life and ages with her. I assume and all this stuff. And so, if we are living in the same universe that that occurred in, does Sharon still exist? No one knows. Yeah, I okay. It just added a lot of complications. Sharon is Peggy's niece, though, not her daughter. No, sorry, but does like Peggy didn't recognize him, and then he didn't recognize her. But oh, and yeah. I get like okay, he wouldn't have had gone back at that. Anything, anything with time travel to me gets very frustrating if you don't do it very well, and yeah. I don't feel like this was executed well. He does not do time. The time travel does not happen until in the end game part of the timeline. So at this point in the timeline, Sharon would not have known him at all. Like she I'm knows sorry. who he is. Pe- Peggy should have oh. known who. Well, Peggy, Peggy didn't know who he was, but Peggy just. But was... Pe- Peggy should have known that it was her husband, because she's you know she gives a little like wink wink nudge nudge. She's like, oh, he's like, did you get married? And she goes, yes, I did. So was she lucid in that moment and knows like I can't tell him that we got married? No, no, no. You she know? did get married to somebody else, and she had so like, and it was every. But so basically, he goes back, and that timeline completely changes. So that's where it gets messy, and kind of the morality of it all is kind of like, okay, you go back, and then you marry so- her. And then now yeah, if she had any kids, this and that doesn't happen. It's so messy because the thing is, is yes, in regular time travel movies, everything gets changed forever. Right. But right. they obviously didn't plan to do that. And they, and it was so messy and so ridiculous that it doesn't make sense at this point. OK. OK. So it's not just me. I wasn't because I was like, oh, maybe she's like in the know and lucid in that moment and getting like, I can't tell him that that guy because she doesn't say who she marries. Right in Winter Soldier mm-hmm. in that conversation. So I was like, oh, maybe she knows that she can't tell him because she doesn't want to spoil it for future him so he actually still makes the decision to go. But again, time travel is always messy. This is why I hate when movies do it. Yeah, the thing is, I think I think what they tried to do to, to kind of erase any of these questions also is, do you remember in, in Endgame when, or it was, actually maybe it was Infinity War, I don't remember, but where Mark Wahlberg, so the Hulk goes and Bruce Banner goes and talks to the ancient one. Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Oh my God, Mark Ruffalo. 
Bruce Banner goes and talks <laughs> to the ancient one. Yeah, yeah, and does and, and does the learns, whole like parallel universe branches. Right, thing. learns okay, about okay. you do a change and then it goes and so that's like the Loki series is going to be like an alternate timeline of our world. So my understanding of it was that Steve went back and lived in in a different timeline with in a different branch until of the she timeline. died okay. and then he came back as an old man here to be like I live my life and now he dies. Something that Marvel has done fairly well and maybe this is sort of part of the Loki thing is that they do kind of, when they make missteps, they have usually gone back and sort of glossed it over. Mm -hmm. I personally like Ultron. I know that that's also an unpopular opinion, but a lot of people disliked Age of Ultron, and I think the WandaVision was sort of a balm on that also. Okay, yeah, I could see that. And so I think that they are doing a decent job of going back to their sort of weak spots and sort of trying to fix things. Yeah, I like Ultron yeah. also. I would agree with that on the level of when it comes to Wanda, her backstory and her as a character and maybe Vision a little bit. But Yeah, because I think that she gets kind of shafted in later movies. You know, no one really understands how powerful she is. She doesn't get to really show it. Well, it starts to feel apparent that they're never really going to fully realize her. She's just this powerful person who shoots red things out of her hands. Right. <laughs> you know, in a lot of the movies. And so it felt kind of like, okay, now it's time to go back and do that. Okay, now let's go fix the and backstory so that we gave her in Ultron. <laughs> Right. And so maybe this Loki alternate universe thing will help us clarify balm over some of that terrible time travel stuff. Yeah, yeah I think it was just a weird thing to just give Steve a happy ending and let him go because, you know, he I think that's the what they wanted too. to do, but so it was obviously like, just. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fine. I think the the kind of frustration I have with it is because the Russo brothers are such a through line with this stuff, right? Like obviously, obviously Kevin Feige is paying so much attention to so many different things. And there are so many threads that they are putting through these and like, you know, little Easter eggs and hints that are going to pay off four movies down the line or that they go back and they turn into something from four movies ago. But and knowing that the Russo brothers were going to be involved in like the next few and that they had, they had this knowledge and they did this thing. And then that they were the ones who were probably like, okay, well let's give them a happy ending. Let's do all this stuff. Yeah, you know, screw the other decision we made four movies ago was a little like yeah. insulting but i would argue <laughs> even if they even if they did just like a normal time travel thing since the time travel event didn't happen until endgame at this point in the timeline when we're watching this would still be valid it's just my kid you know what i mean yeah it's just like yeah, yeah does it get erased by endgame that's annoying i i don't know i, in, I still in, think in theory it should but like yeah, well, I mean, it depends how you look at time. Is it an infinite loop, or are you looking at a straight line? Because I—that's my problem with time true. travel. I always end up looking at it as like a line. I can't with these infinite loop things. Like it's just like because I mean I get it, but it just well I don't get it. I guess that's the problem. I respect well, <laughs> people like them, but I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, time has to be a line for me, and you can go back and redo it and like butterfly effect it. Yeah, you know that's for me. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise it's just yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the decisions at the end of Endgame are very messy. Maybe they can bomb them over and it'll, it'll we'll think differently. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I doubt it. Or I'd be fine with us just like being like, okay, we've, we messed up. Like, move, move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let's yeah. move yeah. forward. But I think by, but the problem is because they keep bringing in these characters who were super pivotal to Endgame and, you know, Civil War and all this stuff, and they keep going back in the timelines, like, that's where problems are. I'm like, let's just move forward and not... And, and they are picking some of the characters who are closest to the messiest points, right? Like Falcon Winter Soldier, I think, are close to, you know, Cap had one of the messiest storylines, obviously, because of time travel. 
Wanda, I think they did an okay job with. I don't know if her, well, I guess her timeline is messy because of the whole like vision, rewind, forward, you know, Thanos snap and uh, anyway. Well, and I truly, I truly think, because in the spirit of kind of going back, you're talking about these characters and kind of going back, I mean, we're getting Baron Zemo again. And right. I'm excited about it just because I want to see his character like fleshed out and stuff. But because I, I didn't like his characterization in uh, Civil War very much. But I like Daniel Bruhl and I like his his portrayal of the character. I just, you know, so I'm hoping that he'll be fleshed out a lot more here in a way that makes sense and is good. But it's interesting because, you know, we're going to bring Agent Carter back into, or Agent Carter, yeah, Sharon Carter, Agent Carter. You know, we're going to bring her back into it. And then we're getting a new character, you know, John Walker, the U.S. agent, I guess, right? So, I mean, from the very popular in the comics, new, new Captain America type of guy. And I will say that I think the Marvel movies after Winter Soldier kind of, lost track of what they wanted to do with the winter soldier as a character and he's just always kind Mm -hmm. of been like there and he was kind of the reason for civil war and then you know we see him at the end of civil war in wakanda and they're keeping him and they refer to him as the white wolf and that could just be a term of endearment they've given him but that's actually a comic book character so a lot of people thought oh is he going to kind of become what that character is and then it just that just went completely away and it's just kind of been like, what are we doing with this character? So my hope is that the show will give him some sort of direction that really makes sense. But it kind of goes to a classic example of like less characters isn't is sometimes better. More isn't always the answer. And we got so many involved that it was like, how are you going to give proper attention to all these characters? And the answer is they didn't. But what I'm curious about is uh, after having watched this again, do either of you uh, feel less, more about the same level of excitement if you want to? Call it that, I guess, for the new show. I am a little worried because, again, the action part of it was not the most interesting thing to me. I really, I struggled with it. I think, again, some of it literally just has to, so I I know I've talked about this before, but I'm I'm the only one who played the Marvel video game, the one that, the most recent Avengers one. And at certain points, they force you to play as Captain America through this. They force you to play as like a lot of the main Avengers for certain missions. And I hated playing as Captain America. I was really bad at it for some reason. The controls at the point where I played it for multiple characters were very wonky. And some of it was just like bugs. But I was just really bad at playing as Cap. And a lot of his stuff is, you know, he's he's a fighter character. You get to play as like people who fly and like, you know, Thor has thunder and all this stuff. But Captain America is very just physical. And watching that first sequence on the boat where it, it felt a little like a video game where he's just like, forward, roll over this thing and climb over this. And I was having like flashbacks <laughs> uh, of like not that. being able to do it and like falling off the side. And I was just like, oh, God. So and again, I do struggle with the way that they show flying for the falcon and so i'm like i don't know how this is gonna (laughs) it's just gonna be a lot of this yeah i can respect that yeah i'm cautiously optimistic that i'll enjoy the tv show but i'm not sure if anything this actually made me a little more excited for the black widow movie oh good yeah you know what i'm so excited about and we haven't talked about it but we're actually gonna be able to watch black widow in theaters in a theater like we're oh, actually, no, no, I mean, unless, oh, that's true. Things might happen, but it really yeah. feels a lot more possible than it did even a couple weeks ago. Fair enough. I mean, I, I got my first press invite for an in-person screening and I was like, Haha, no, I have not been vaccinated. Absolutely not. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, not a chance in hell. Th- thank you for the invite, but n- no. <laughs> yeah. It's we'll we'll cautiously optimistic. for good. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm also excited for uh, the actress Erin Kellyman. I know she's in it, and I know they're, she's part of a, seems to be kind of a mysterious band of uh, baddies, potentially, Ooh. that 
I, I don't know. I, I, I like her a lot from another very unpopular opinion of mine that I love Solo. But she plays Emphis Nest in Solo. And I, I really liked her in that. And I really, because I wanted a Solo sequel, I was really hopeful that she and that character would get more of a future in the Star Wars universe. Maybe she will in some kind of way. But in the meantime, I'm more than happy to see her enter the Marvel universe. And I want to see what she can do. So one very odd thing I noticed this time around, the, God, who's the baddie in the beginning? Who's played by oh, Frank? No, what's his name? Batchok. No, the American one, the, the Hydra agent. Frank Grillo? Frank Grillo. Oh, Frank Grillo, yeah. Crossbones. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, you know, I love Nick Cage so, so much. <laughs> and I watched him in the, one of the best worst movies I've ever seen recently called Jiu-Jitsu. I almost made us watch it on this podcast. And Frank Grillo is the main actor in it, aside from Nick Cage. And he is truly terrible in it. And then I started watching <laughs> another film that he's in with Bruce Willis, with Bruce Willis that just came out. And I was like, I can't, I can't make it. I could not make it through that one. Like I rarely tap out. And I was like, I am early enough in that I should just not watch this film. And I won't consider it tapping out. I just think he's such a bad actor, yeah. but he's obviously like a very physical, he's a good stunt person. Mm-hmm. He's good at physical stuff. He was fine in this. And I was like, what went wrong between Winter Soldier and Jiu-Jitsu? Like what, how, <laughs> is it because you had more things to say? Barely? Like, I don't know. It's but... because he had his dreams crushed because I was excited about his character from this film as well, which is playing into like, oh, excited about where we're going with things because Crossbone's a pretty cool character. And then they kill him at the beginning of Civil War. Wanda, that's who Wanda kills. You know, well, he kind of right. yeah, himself yeah. an accident. I mean, maybe, it's just maybe... like, oh my gosh, like why, you just got, like, why did you spend a movie kind of, not really, I wouldn't say developing him, but, but you know, like saying, hey, this guy's setting him, become, Setting him up at least. Setting the, up. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you see him at the end being taken out of that building and, you know, he's all burnt up and they're going to revive him and everything. And he's got like the cross he's wearing and stuff, which is kind of cool, the X on his chest, just for that. And I was kind of like, okay, I mean, it's a cool fight scene, I guess, in Civil War, you know, and it ends up being really integral to Wanda's, I don't want to say development, but kind of his decline as, you know, mentality yeah. goes. And, you know, that's important, but it could have been anybody for her story. That could have been anybody that she (laughs) killed a bunch of people with, right? So it was a (laughs) disappointment that they just kind of discarded him like that after setting him up so, so much in this film. Yeah, he probably thought this was his entrance into Marvel U. And- so he was like, I'm so sad. This is terrible. And he gave up. And then he did a movie with Nick Cage. And he's terrible. Well, he did like 20 <laughs> movies in between. No, he's sure. done a lot of movies since. But I, I just, yeah. I feel like maybe they were like, okay, they like gave him the sides for the next ones. They're like, this is where we're thinking this character goes. And he started to try and act like more, you know, in a more robust way. And they're like, oh, no, we got to kill him. We can't, <laughs> we can't recast. We got like, this guy's so terrible. I don't know. He's, he's fine. It's just... They're very different films. And I was like, oh, he was better in this. (laughs) That's good. Okay. I think he's probably, like you said, he's so good at stunts and stuff. And he probably, you know, he's obviously very physically fit. And he's a good looking dude. So I think he gets roles because of that. And then it's yeah, like, he, I mean, he fits a type and he exactly. like he plays a good murder military looking, you know, whatever. Yeah. Wow. He was in the sweetest thing. I don't remember. That. <laughs> he was in this. That seems incongruous to me somehow. <laughs> I could see him being like man meat in the sweetest thing, like a cameo, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, sure. or like a very short. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, Funny. other things we watched, other Russo brothers, Marvel, not exactly related, but Marvel alumni. <laughs> cherry like, who, like who, who isn't a marvel alumni at this point that's true but cherry on apple tv plus starring tom holland directed by the russo brothers what did you two think i didn't hate the film i i don't okay. i'm not like in love with it or anything i'm not gonna necessarily watch it again ever but i thought there were certain things about it that i really did like but none of them involved 
the structure of the film and most of them didn't involve the story. <laughs> okay. So, yep. yep. But I mean, That's you know, I mean, fine. there's a bunch of moving pieces that make a film. So it's like, you can have, you know, there's uh, whatever. So I thought it yeah, was yeah. the music I thought was so good. I, I sat there and just like, they're actually around a couple scenes to listen to the music. I'm not kidding. Cause I loved it. I just loved music. And I can feel that. I didn't it was even actually think about it. But yeah. Henry Jackman. I, yeah, I don't remember any of it, but, uh, but I could believe it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Henry Jackman did it. You know, he did Winter Soldier also. He's worked with all the Russo Marvel films, but he did like Kingsman and like a couple of the X-Men movies. And sure, Disney sure, yeah. stuff. He's great, right? And I was like, oh, this is great. And then it's one of those ones where, oh my God, who did this? And I had to look it up during the movie. But I thought that was great. I thought the cinematography was really great. And, you know, it ended up being uh, Newton Thomas Seigel or Seigel. I'm not sure how you say his name, but he's done some X Men movies and Drive and things where, so like, he has that kind of, especially with Drive, that, that like really artistic kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, it's very mm-hmm. differently shot. And I thought he kind of played with that somewhat here. And I liked a lot of the, a lot of that here. I was really into that. Except for, I will say, I, I could not with the shot that was supposed to be from inside Tom Holland's butthole. I couldn't do it. I, I was like, the, the shot real quick and the guy looking, I was like, what in the world? And then you find out it was from his butthole. I was like, is this supposed to be funny or are we supposed to? Because it's yeah, just like, like the vibe, know. right? No, it's not supposed to be funny. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. Uh, yeah. So I was like, this is very strange. So I hated that. But. You know, it's interesting that we look at this film and I, I kept on like trying to figure out what it wanted to be. Because like I really liked the beginning of it well enough where he's meeting her and I thought she was a good actor. I thought the performances were pretty good throughout, even though I do think Tom Holland was not correctly cast. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was good. I, in it. I thought he was good, but I thought it could have been someone else that was more believable in this kind of tough guy role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I liked when they were meeting and stuff and I thought their little love story was kind of cute and whatever. But then all of a sudden it's like Jarhead, like a military movie. And then all of a right. sudden it's like, wait, now we're a drug addict, bank heist mm-hmm. movie. It was so disjointed and it needed to figure out what it wanted to be. And it needed to focus yeah. on one of those stories only with certain flashbacks, I think, in a way that to be more effective. It felt very long. Yeah, I had a very hard time paying attention to it, honestly. I don't know because I'm in the middle of a move, too. So there's a lot of logistics that are like running through my head on a sure. very regular yeah. basis. So. I am partially not in a good place for movies like this, probably, but I just, it couldn't hold my attention to save my life. It was just so bizarre. I I thought I'm with you on most of the cinematography, the butthole thing was strange. (laughs) And (laughs) I made me unhappy. Yeah, really made me unhappy. Tom Holland, I think the problem is, is he's so well known as the Spider Man wisecracking, sort of innocent goody guy that it was hard to see him in this hardened role hardened role i i'm not saying he did a poor job i think he's a good actor it just didn't fit for me yeah and i don't know if that's you know mostly because his persona is so different and i'm just thinking of him and his persona or if he's not actually great i yeah i I think he's a decent actor because there were a few scenes where I was like, okay, had this been in a different context in a different movie in a different whatever, I'd been like, yeah, that's a pretty good acting moment, right? Like if, you know, if it was like a scene study, I'd be like, okay, that's, it's fine. You know, he's doing a good job here. But I agree with both of you in that I just don't think he gives off a hardened vibe, even if, you know, yeah, it, it's just, it's very challenging for him. And I think this is such an odd film because I'm like, okay, clearly the Russo brothers have worked with him before. And so they should have known that this was not the right 
casting choice necessarily. Yeah, this film was trying to be 200 different things and I could not pay attention to it either. And part of it, I was like having tech issues and I almost rarely tap out of films. I know I said I tapped out of the Cosmic Sin movie, but- <laughs> I don't think one, anyone like, can blame oh. you for Cosmic yeah, Sin yeah. though. This one <laughs> was like, I was like, I don't, every time, it, you know, it'd buffer like every 10 minutes and it'd buffer for a long time. I was like, what if I just stop? <laughs> like, what if I just stop right here and don't finish this? I finished it. I think- one of the things about Winter Soldier that is successful is that it is playing off of tropes we kind of understand, right? They're relying on that World War II conflict. They're relying on us as an audience being able to quickly identify like good guys, bad guys. Cool, we get it. And for Cherry, I feel like they were trying to rely on us being aware of multiple different sort of storytelling tropes like, oh, guy meets girl romance type film. We are expected to impose knowledge of these things as opposed to these characters are generating like an organic feeling of being like, oh yes, they have chemistry together. Mm -hmm. And I don't think their relationship in the beginning was cute or healthy. I felt like he was like such a misogynist and I was not interested in his success for the character they set up in the very beginning. You know, so, but then it goes, okay, we're going to a war movie. I was like, all right, well, you're relying on our knowledge of war movies and war experiences. And we've been told this story a million times over. Like, you know, Matt, you mentioned Jarhead, much a million times of a better story. And then we go to the drug related stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, well, we've seen these stories before too. And you're relying on us having a, a, a working knowledge of that. And I was like, train spotting would have been a better film if you want to watch people just waste their lives away on drugs. Yeah. And then the bank heist stuff. I was like, well, we've seen crime films too. And none of them felt like they were bringing anything original to the table for me. And I'm like, why did you make this film then? Yeah. I mean, it definitely didn't know what it wanted to be, but I think authenticity is so important especially if you're going to tell stories like this, that we have to sort of believe the characters and we have to want them to succeed. Right. And I feel like that just was never, I never felt that. Yeah. What's Agreed. interesting is to real quickly about the casting again, part, part of this could be my issue also is they seemed so young to me. And then I also experienced this when we watched Moxie and we talked about that last week where I was like, God, these people mm -hmm. are so young and annoying. But I think part of it is also that Hollywood often casts older people to play younger roles. And so like we're preconditioned mm, right. to think I'm looking for the cast of Mean Girls when I'm watching a teen high school film. And they were all in their mm -hmm. 20s. Tom Holland's 24. I'm not sure how old the girl was, but they actually probably are the right ages for this story, right? Yeah. Because they wanted to show the same actors throughout the whole thing. And so you could be older, but I just mean like in the enlisting in the army and doing all the stuff. It's like they probably are more age appropriate than I think they are, even though they just felt like children the whole time to me. But again, good. again, you could have found someone better that embodied the role more perhaps. But yeah, what's interesting is I like the idea, the bank, the bank heist thing, and it did take up. I guess a majority of the film when you look at the three parts, I guess. But I like the idea of exploring what war does to somebody's mental health and then in turn what that person's mental health ends up doing to the person who's with them. Like I kind of, sure. I think that's a, an interesting and kind of a fresh idea. Something like The Hurt Locker really effectively kind of does that a little bit, but it kind of still focused more on here's what happened rather than here is him, him trying to pick up the pieces of his life. It kind of, it was both, but if this was really about the mental implications of what he went through and then the drug thing kind of getting into it at some point, but it, the whole thing was just like, we're just watching Requiem for a Dream. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. I'm like, about a week, way weaker version, like, right. Where, so it just needed to find the, like we're talking about the, that story that really drove it and then show us the things that, that led to it. 
in, in a way of certain flashbacks, all kinds of different things, but it really could have been done effectively. And it just, yeah, it was too bloated without saying much. If you're going to rely on tropes, use that to condense some of the time, right? Like mm-hmm. I, literally, I remember at 40 minutes in, I was like, we are still, we, ha- we got to the army stuff at 40 minutes in. The yeah, amount but- of stuff that they covered in their love story didn't need to be 40 minutes for us to be like, okay, fine. They're together now. And then the actual active duty stuff, I was like, it's almost another 40 minutes. And while that is definitely important and that it sets up the trauma for later, because it didn't bring anything like special or new to the table, I feel like they could have also condensed that down. And then we see him dealing with the fallout and the PTSD and all that stuff. Because I do think that was the most successful part of the movie. But by the time we got to it, I was like, I don't care. When we just went right into drug problem and rocking banks, we didn't really spend a lot of time with seeing him kind of fall apart. He just already, he just was falling apart, you know, and so... It could have been crafted in a way that I feel would have been a little more, I might have had more empathy for the character, I guess, you know, because when you look at it as a commentary on our youth, well, they're not youth, 18, you you know, you can start enrolling in the army. It is like you are so young at 18 and the things that Mm -hmm. like these, these young men and women go through is insane and is more than anybody should go through in their lives, really, you know, it's, but it's like you do it. And of course, the love of the country and stuff, I totally, I respect it and I get it, but you are so young and it's like, and you do it. And a lot of people I think do look at it as like a, well, I don't know what else to do. So I guess I'll go. And they don't think about, and they don't really think about the implications of it. And so a, a character study in that way could have been really great rather than yeah, just showing us, Hey, here's what happens. Like here's a bunch of things that are happening. And then, you know, not a lot of heart, but yeah, I, don't yeah. Know, I think we're all saying the same thing. kind of. <laughs> yeah. What this film has me truly worried about is also, fun fact, did you know that the Russo brothers do not have separate Wikipedia pages? If you Google that, or like if you Wikipedia their individual names, it just leads you to the Russo brothers. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I was like, wow, how bizarre. So, you know, they, first of all, I actually love their early work. They were on Community and Arrested Development and Happy Endings. I'm just like, these are great love comedy all. TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. when, when did, who was like, I know. And that's, I, I do like that about Marvel that they're like, you know what? Well, they're both, you know, probably privileged white guys they're still like go ahead like let's let these two tv comedy half hour people do a whole like crazy marvel movie they look for unique voices you know they, yeah. marvel does do that. yeah they do and they they and they're doing a better job of making it more diverse too but did either of you see extraction yes no Okay, so Extraction was the Chris Hemsworth Netflix original movie. Joe Russo was the writer of it. He didn't direct it, but they were the producers. Okay, fine. And then having seen Cherry, where they were the directors, but not the writers, where I'm like, this was terrible. But also with Tom Holland, another Marvel alum. Their next film is The Gray Man, which is Chris Evans. Mm -hmm. And Joe Russo wrote it again, and they're directing and they're producing it. And I'm like, I don't have a good feeling about this (laughs) after having seen Cherry and Extraction. I am very worried about what this is going to be. It is also apparently their most expensive, Netflix's most expensive film. Oh, Ryan Gosling's in it too. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I just, because like we know they can do action, Mm -hmm. but then they did this and it was very bad. So would you recommend this to anybody? I would not recommend it. You know, for me, it's hard to tell. I don't tell people not to watch things. I just don't do it. But I sure. I would not on my own volition say, hey, you should okay. watch Cherry. You know, but if someone Fair. was like, God, that looks so good. I love the Russos. I want, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I didn't love it. But, you know, whatever. Do you? I'm not going to like say, don't watch it. Jackie? No, I wouldn't recommend it. And I have been actively telling people to not watch this. I was like, I'm guessing you would, you would recommend it. <laughs> Yes, my favorite film of the year. Watch this and then watch Cosmic Sin back to back. To your worst enemy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. You know, if you're really interested in it, go for it. But I I wouldn't 
ever be like, hey, have you seen Cherry? You should watch this. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like, I didn't, I'm not, like, texting anyone being like, oh, you should check this out, you know. It's- yeah. Yeah, but, like, you know, if you're, if you're interested, you know, whatever floats your boat. But, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not actively telling people to watch this. I mean, while my PSA is, like, don't waste these two hours and 20 minutes of your life. <laughs> well, thank you both. We shall reconvene once we have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Very exciting. Hopefully, we'll have made... Winter Soldier, the Captain America Winter Soldier, worth it for me. <laughs> we'll see. I <laughs> thank you. Thank you once again to Jackie and Matt for that uh, little chat. And now, uh, follow up point. I don't know how much clarity this is actually going to bring, but in terms of the Steve Rogers timeline, you know, Peggy Carter, and to be clear, we were mostly trying to talk about Peggy Carter in this. I have a quote from Stephen Marcus, who is a writer on Endgame. And in regards to the theory, which was my theory, in that, you know, Steve Rogers was actually, or Peggy would have known who he was, and that Steve Rogers was alive or close till that point, and that she couldn't tell him that, she, you know, she knew who he was and that they actually ended up married together, uh, and that, you know, he has sort of been existing and aging in parallel to all the events that we see play out through Winter Soldier, through Endgame, because, you know, he saves the day at the end of the day and then goes back in time. So one of the writers of Endgame, Stephen Marcus says that is our theory we're not experts on time travel but the ancient one specifically states that when you take an infinity stone out of a timeline it creates a new timeline so Steve going back and just being there would not create a new timeline so I reject this Steve is in an alternate reality theory I do believe there's simply a period in world history from about 1948 to now where there are two Steve Rogers and anyway for a large chunk of that one of them is frozen in ice so it's not like they'd be running into each other so again, this feeds into the, my theory that, you know, Peggy's just keeping it quiet or she's having a sort of, a, you know, unfortunately not moment of lucidity when Steve visits her in the Winter Soldier. But at that point, she would have already been married to him and knew who he was and was just keeping it quiet from, we'll call him like pre-jump back in time, Steve. I don't know. I still don't think it makes sense. But whatever, let's let's just move on with our lives, I think is really the solution here. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.